previously on Box Cutters. There is a BBC Four now. Is there? On, yeah, on the TV? Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the edgy one. Oh, that's the edgy one. It's what BBC Two used... So BBC One shifted all the stuff to BBC Two, and then BBC Two has now shifted all the stuff to BBC Four. Right. So BBC One and Two can now just play game shows, and, and, and yeah. <laughs> it's just keynotes. It's keynotes all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just TED Talks. <laughs> By puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Yours TED Talks by puppets would like be the biggest thing ever. <laughs> oh, that's it. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry about that. That's, you, you, that's how I make my fortune. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 333. That's half of something. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Catchphrase. To my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Uh, we got no time. That's it. Done. Uh, we, uh, we've got a very, very, very busy show. Two guests, Kirsten Drysdale from the new ABC show, The Checkout, and Steel Saunders from the I Love Green Guide Letters podcast, because we all live in the big podcasting house. Yeah. No, Brenna Connie Glazebrook uh, oh. this, this week. She's, uh, she's uh, away uh, not so well. So not even hiding under the table. Not even hiding under the table. Who would hide under the table, John? Yeah, that's just, just crazy. crazy anyway, hide under the table. But we do have uh, letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We're going to review the Ricky Gervais show, Derek, as always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. In an article in Mumbrella, the head of uh, digital for Channel 10, Rebecca Horn, Mm -hmm. uh, said... uh, that it would be great if all the TV networks could get together and have one single platform with which they could uh, show video on the interwebs. Like like an iView type program? Like, like an iView. Uh, they, she uses Hulu as, as the example sure. because Hulu was uh, a cooperation between a couple of uh, a couple of different networks and production companies. Uh, so she uses that as, as an example. In that same article... Uh, uh, Mark Scott from the ABC said, we made the iView platform available to other networks if they wanted to do something like that earlier on. There's mm. the implication that... They wouldn't do it now? They wouldn't do it now. Because, I mean, it's interesting we talk about platforms and the Channel 7 one is is bad. I've never managed to get to the end of a show because it crashes every single time I've tried to watch something. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that's not just me. You were making comments about the Channel 10 one the other week. And it is weird that ABC One is really good. Like, iView is a really good platform. So I don't think it would make sense to me if they can all at least get together and have one platform that works. I always assumed that was deliberate, that the commercial channels don't want the platform to work because they don't want you to watch it that way because they can't sell ads. Except that now Rebecca Horn is saying, well, actually, uh, I think we're finally realizing that we have no option. Yeah, because that is what's going to happen. So she's the head of digital at Channel 10, right? Yes. So she's got no power, really, in the industry at all. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to take her seriously. Come on. I think on the one hand, she makes a good point. On the other hand, she reminds me that Freeview is pretty much collusion and why hasn't the ACCC stopped it? That's Because Freeview is not actually a thing, Josh. Freeview is just what they choose to call digital TV. I thought it was just an ad campaign that never really attached itself to anything. It has employees. 
There's a body <laughs> called. There's a head of Freeview. Do you think there's she's, someone who goes to work every day? Freeview, yeah. say some these, stuff. Freeview people show up in this big building and then sit there wondering what they do, and then they they just fund another ad because they're not sure. General Manager of Freeview, Liz Ross, told Encore, she the networks are absolutely working together on our own plans for an industry catch-up service. We continue to work together hey, on, on industry, appropriate solutions. Industry catch-up service? Yeah, yeah, the industry needs to catch up. No, no but what industry is she? The ABC's got one already. It so works does the, the, S- so does the SBS. Has one. Yeah, the industry has one. It's just not your particular channels. Right? That's just ridiculous. So basically, what Rebecca Horn is saying, I'm the. F- she's saying I'm the first to admit we are well behind the rest of the world. It's time for us to catch up. So when she's talking about a catch up service, I think she's talking about the networks actually catching up. Can we mention that in Australia, the BBC catch up service is actually better than the? I, I finally saw it on the um, on the iPad the other day. I didn't realize that if you get the uh, the iView, no, so I I play, I play. the iPlay app. I knew there was a subscription one you could get. What I didn't realize is that even the free one comes with a bunch of free content. You can oh. watch various TV shows, um, usually older, and a lot of them it's episode one. Clever there. Clever BBC. Yeah. Get That's it. A, yeah, Marvel is doing a very similar thing yeah, with exactly, their... Exactly, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, then jack up the price. But um, the fact that even the BBC is providing a better catch-up service than Channel 7, 9 or 10 <laughs> can manage in Australia, I think is crazy. Yeah, but uh, Zbox or was it, what, what is that? Zango. Zango. <laughs> in related, the future is the, is the web, is the internet news. Yeah. Yeah, in that news, I funded a film... This week, Josh. Me. Did, I did. did. You? A feature did, film. I ex- funded a feature film. You executive producer credit? No, no. And admittedly, it wasn't just me. There's quite a few other people. Uh, I put 50 bucks into it. But the point is, there is a film now guaranteed to be made of Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Now, you were a fan of Veronica I was, Mars? I was a big fan of Veronica Mars. I, I loved that show. Because I have admit, I've actually never watched it. But all the cool kids were doing this, so I did it too. Rob Thomas, who I believe was the lead singer of Third Eye Blind. That's, uh, that's, that's cur- cur- or Third Eye Blind Melon, I yeah, believe. Yeah, um, And also the creator of Veronica Mars. As a Kickstarter, they put up the Veronica Mars movie. So they were after $2 million to make a feature film based... On Veronica Mars. It's pretty cheapy. Pretty cheapy, but then, I mean, the, apparently the show, he says, would cost uh, somewhere like $1.8 million per episode. I mean, $1 million per episode is not you know, uh, out of the realms of possibility. So two episodes, $2 million? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Quite possible you'd still get the good quality you'd want of that sort of standard. Um, as of taping up to 3.6 million i think 3,626,000 yeah, so, and from 55,145 backers and there's 20 odd days to go 25 days yeah and they 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 reached uh, over 2 million in the first day now the interesting thing about this is look this could be a turning point this could be the future of television yeah you know, we've talked about crowdfunding we'll get to this point this, I think, is possibly earlier and more surprising that, that, that crowdfunding has got to this point of being able to fund a proper film of that sort of level. I think television will eventually be funded or television-like product, like, uh, you know, programming. Or this could be a one-off that will never happen again as a fluke and will destroy the industry, as some other articles are claiming. I think people have been doing it for, for a long time. I don't think it's that new. I think the uh, overwhelming success is new. No, I, I, th- I think that is new, though. I think these sorts of numbers have been achieved with technology, but to pre-sell... Because that's what you're doing, pretty much. You're pre-selling. You yes. Know, but rather than pre-selling it to 
areas of the world, which you would normally do with a TV show or a film, you're pre-selling it to the individual consumer. And I think to reach 2 million, or indeed you know, 4 million by the time it finishes, that is new. I think that sort of level where you can go, actually it might be possible to make a Joss Whedon-style show with that kind of passion behind it and make it economical to create that. Jane Espenson did that with uh, season two of Husbands. Husbands. Uh, which, which was only $60,000 in that particular case. And in fact, it only adds up to half an hour's worth of, of material. But it was interesting because that was, that was to me slightly disappointing to go, oh, Jay Despenson, I thought would generate more than 60000 for that sort of thing. But to see that Veronica Mars is managing millions, I think is, yeah, the next step. It's a, it, it is a really interesting development. Uh, is it, I, I don't know if it's going to translate to television, though. I don't know, because it, it works so well for a one-off. But, I mean, Husbands, though, was a series. It was for the whole series. Yeah, as such. So, they were very short parts. So, I think it's going to be more of that, that we'll be looking at short-form series. Like, we'll be probably looking at something that adds up to being a movie. You know, it might be three half hours or... You know, I think, I think it'll be in installments rather than 13 hours or... Well, and, and I suppose if uh, if HBO had given us the opportunity to f- help fund the fourth season of Deadwood... Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or if stars had done Party Down, I think may have been the kind of... Yeah. You know, I can, I can see that happening. Which, mean, which again, is Rob Thomas. Like, Rob mm-hmm. Thomas could do a, a Party Down... Uh, a, a party down movie if he wanted based on this this same model and he, he already has the the momentum that would not be a, a bad idea it would be, or be even even party down something like six 15 minute episodes could probably still work you could probably actually tell some of those stories in a much shorter i mean american half hour 22 minutes anyway so yes so it is it is quite possible that's what i mean this might be a one-off some people are angry because of course it's a major studio behind this it's warner brothers and mm. they have given permission to rob thomas to do this but i mean they're still going to put money into distribution and release and all that sort of stuff but they are effectively being given a, a product for free one of the comments i read on on wired or somewhere was that it was food stamps for the one percent which is of course crazy nonsense because that's telling people off for spending their money on the thing they want and what they want is veronica mars movie and this way they have got it but it will be interesting to see if it's gonna be a, a big mainstream thing or uh, if it'll translate to grassroots levels i i look forward to the future john hmm. and that is the box cutters news. Cray gives the vitamin industry a taste of its own ineffective medicine. We give Apple's TV ad the stress test and the consumer guide to products where you buy now, pay forever. The $50 cartridge for this $49 printer was only good for 43 counterfeit quality colour pages. So please make your way to the checkout. Starts Thursday at 8 on ABC One. There's a new TV show starting on... Oh, it's a TV show. Yeah, that's right. Because it's box cutters, we talk about TV. Did you know that, John? I did know that, yeah. Right, so there's a, a new one of those starting on uh, the ABC shortly uh, that is not The Investigators, but it is like The Investigators in that they talk about consumer affairs matters without necessarily doing uh, that foot in the door gutter journalism that the investigators was known for you don't know that though do you i actually have no idea but it's called it's it's called the checkout and uh, and one of its hosts kirsten drysdale joins us all the way from a telephone somewhere outside of this studio kirsten welcome to box cutters <laughs> hi guys 
How are you? Tell us about uh, the, the checkout, what we can expect, and how uh, and and how we can see it, etc. Just tell us everything, everything you want to tell us. Okay. Well, uh, you mentioned the investigators, and certainly we uh, uh, have invoked, I guess, a little bit of the spirit and the sentiment of the investigators. Uh, but we're kind of wrapping that up in a bit more of a kind of chaser um, package, if you will. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a, 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 you know, serious look at consumer affairs, but uh, with a comedic edge where we can. I, I, must admit, I was a bit confused watching the trailer to know, was it a, a comedy show using this as a subject, or is it more an investigation? Like, like what, what are you hoping the show will achieve? Look, it'll, you know, it's a little from column A and a little from column B. So, uh, you know, for us, the, the factual information is, the, is first and foremost the most important part of this series. But wherever we can, we'll try and make it entertaining and, and funny so that uh, people pay attention because, you know, consumer affairs, while it's, you know, stuff that affects all of us and our, and our wallets, can sometimes be a little bit of a dry area to cover. Um, so I guess what that means in a practical sense is that, particularly for the, for the chaser guys uh, who have who have always sort of gone for the for the for the joke, you know, the joke is the kind of most important thing. And in this instance, if we're in the edit suite and it's a contest between um, some some serious factual information and a and a funny gag, uh, the the information will win. Oh, it's a show in which the information wins. I've been I've been well, waiting I've been waiting for that battle all along. In theory, in theory, you never know. If we've got, you know, somebody riding a strange donkey backwards, it'll be, it may come down to an arm wrestle in the edit suite. You never know. <laughs> so, so it's not it's, it's not really uh, stunt based as as we we would expect from uh, Chase. That's right. Yeah, it's um. Look, I I can't unequivocally rule stunts. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. Wow, you turned into a politician <laughs> all of a sudden, haven't you, Kirsten? What what? <laughs> what, we're, what we're discovering here, Kirsten, is that you really don't know what the show is, do you? <laughs> I'm just trying to cover all those. <laughs> Listen, to be honest, it's it's a little it's a little bit of everything. It's um you know we've got we've got short regular segments, we've got a lot of graphical stuff, we've got you know each episode we'll have to have some some longer stories, which you know certainly are investigative and certainly are real journalism, but also have you know the classic kind of chaser approach to them. Now we keep saying chaser without actually explaining that. So there are, you have you have two I believe, chaser. Yep. So we've got um, Craig and uh, Julian sorry, oh, my editors are just now waving at me. Yeah, Craig, Craig uh, Rue Castle and Julian Morrow are both um, reporting and presenting on the show. We do also have uh, Chaz working behind the scenes and he did uh, ask me to pass on uh, his regards and to let you know that he the interview he did with you guys was the his favourite interview of all oh, oh. he really knows how to butter up people with no power in the industry <laughs> at all so so what's what's your role if 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 uh, Craig and Julian are, are reporting is, is your role more of a, a hosting role no, no, no. I'm. I mean, I'm just doing the same thing. So, as as you uh, you mentioned, the studio. So we have no studio for this this show. So there's sort of no home base where we kind of come back to and link the show together. It's all a bit of a pre-recorded magazine style um, program. So I'm I'm you know filing my own reports as well. Um, 
and, you know, get roped into to being an extra and doing hideously embarrassing things because uh, we can't afford to pay real actors to come in <laughs> and do this stuff. It's easier just to pull somebody out of the office. So, yeah, that, that's my role. I'll be presenting, reporting and uh, filling in in the background. So, so in in that way, it seems like the the work that you did on Hungry Beast uh, was a, a really great way to, to cut your teeth for the way television is just going to continue to be made in the future, as 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 cheaply as possible, but with as many smarts as possible. It, yep, absolutely. Um, we've certainly uh, a lot of the stuff we learn on Hungry Beast uh, is influencing this show, and um, there's. There's actually quite a, a few of us who worked on Hungry Beast who are also working on this show. We've got a couple of the graphics guys. We've got one of the directors. And, um, yeah, we're trying to bring... We, we kind of have a little bit of a motto of trying to say, you know, work smarter, not harder. And uh, I guess that sometimes also means work cheaper <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're on a tight budget. Um, but, yeah, look, Hungry Beast absolutely, you know, for me personally, was a, a fantastic opportunity to... Um, Cut, yeah, cut my teeth, and it was uh, a bit of a baptism of fire, I guess. Uh, pretty, pretty intense experience, but um, yeah, very, very worth it. So, how did the show come about? Like, was it did the ABC want a consumer affairs show, or did you guys have an idea that this would be a, an interesting world to explore? Or did Andrew Denton say he wasn't going to have a series of Gruen transfer, and someone at the ABC <laughs> panicked? I'm not sure what role Andrew had to play in this. Um, and are they still... There's another Gruen Planet on this year, so they're, they're not panicking just yet. I'm sure they'll find another iteration. Uh, no, look, this was this this show has been kind of talked about for a number of years. It's Julian Morrow and um, Nick Murray, uh, one of the EPs from Cordell Jigsaw's Apruda now, mm-hmm. CJZ. Uh, they've, they've been uh, dreaming about this for a while. And uh, Julian approached me um, sort of towards uh, at the end of Hungry Beast, um, having seen a little bit of the, a couple of the stories I did there and uh, learning that I had a bit of a natural interest in this area. Um, and I'd worked on the Gruen Transfer as well. Um, I think if you work at the ABC, you have to at some stage to work on the Gruen Transfer. <laughs> Even if it was just letting the audience in you know, a long time ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then uh, approached me about the show and I just thought it sounded fantastic. And, you know, I, you know, sort of once I heard the idea, I just thought, how does this, how does this show not already exist? It sort of seemed so obvious that there, that there was a, a, a need to sort of cover this area. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I said, absolutely, I would love to be involved. Now, when Hungry Beast was on, we, we spoke to uh, Mark Fennell and, and Dan Illich at the time uh, to, to talk about the show. Both of them had uh, had uh, careers beforehand, and da- Dan Illich was the oldest of the young people to uh, to, to be on Hungry Beast. In I fact, think he still is the oldest of the young people. There's something about him that just, just makes him the oldest of the young people. He just keeps getting older. I thought he was 50. I thought he was older than I am. I was shocked. <laughs> He's a geriatric uh, baby face. He does. <laughs> yeah, he does. But they, they both had profiles be- beforehand. What what was your background before Hungry Beast and how did that prepare you for a, a new life in television? Uh, it didn't prepare me at all. Um, I was I was working... I mean, I studied journalism and film and TV uh, at uni and I was working for a production company in Brisbane that did a lot of sort of 
uh, sort of docos and multimedia exhibitions for museums and that sort of thing. So I was doing a little bit of everything in a production sense. I was researching, writing, interviewing, editing, that kind of stuff. But I was actually um, juggling my professional career with a sporting career. So I, I used to play uh, hockey in the National League and um, was sort of working my way up to, to try to get into the Australian team when uh, Project Next came around and which you know went on to be Hungry Beast and I thought you were going to say when tragedy struck. No, and I was going to well, turn it into a whole telly movie. Uh, well, we can we can rewrite it. Nobody <laughs> really knows what happened. I could have had a terrible. I I tell you what happened. I had a terrible terrible injury, and uh, so it you know killed my sporting career. And then Project Next came along and and uh, and you built yourself up. I had a new dream to follow. Yes. Mm, yes. Mm. Yeah, so I um yeah, so I, I, I moved to Sydney and um uh yeah, found a very different life. You know, I no longer had to go to training twenty hours a week as well as work full time. I just uh, added that twenty hours on to working full time. <laughs> Sports and television they, they have gone together for, for a long time. Uh but none of the stuff that you've been working on has been sports related. Do you have do you have an interest to, to go that way? No, it's weird. I I really don't. Um, I never really watched sport. I'm not a sports nut. I have no real interest in uh, becoming a sports reporter. Is that what you sort of mean? That, that is I... that is kind kind of what I mean. It, yeah. It's it struck me as odd when you said that you had a sports career. Yeah. Uh, I, because you, you don't come across as a sporty person. Yeah. No. It, I I know. I was a I was the most unsporting sports person uh in the team that's absolutely um yeah but i mean you know, i i just i was one of the, I, I enjoyed playing it and i could never understand why anyone would watch um so. we, we've talked a lot about the the future of television on box cutters in the in the last few weeks in the last few years basically for the last eight years uh we've been talking a lot about the the future of television and and where it stands shows like uh hungry beast and and the the, the way you've described the checkout Mm-hmm. Seem to be the the way a lot of uh, a, a lot of factual uh, television is going. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, more and more television is going to be filled with this kind of programming? Yeah, I I I do think so. Um, I think two. I think two things are probably going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot more branded content um, as uh, the sort of delivery of programs you know, is increasingly just digital sort of downloads of streaming and, um, you know, the way those programs are going to be financially supported if no one has to watch ads in the middle of them is that they're going to become branded content. And I think um, uh, in, in this style sense, I think it will become more like Hungry Beast and the, and the checkout will. And I think people seeing what's possible with graphics and... Um, creative ways of, of visualising information sort of inspires them to then sort of do the same. And so, yeah, I think uh, the, the stylistic changes will become more commonplace. And I think another thing that, that will happen is when you're not... When people are watching stuff on demand, um, you're kind of not restricted by time slots. So the duration of, of programmes is less important. You know, at the moment, we, we need to know down to the second how long each segment is and how long the total program is. And I feel like that has an effect on storytelling because it means you have to condense stuff down, you know, before it reaches a natural end or, you know, before it's, 
it can't be the length it naturally feels like it, it should be. And I feel like when stuff becomes more on demand, you've got more flexibility in that sense. Things can be as long or as short as they should be instead of kind of being shoehorned into a slot. Um, and I actually think that'll be a, a positive thing. Kirsten Drysdale, thank you so much for, for joining us on Box Cutters. When can people see the checkout? Uh, tune in on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock on ABC One. Thursday night start... 8pm, that is. 8pm. 8, 8 <laughs> <laughs> it's not a breakfast show. Yeah, it's not a breakfast show. And, and I'm we guessing... We'll be they... making the show at breakfast. I'm guessing they can uh, they can catch it on iView as well. Oh yes, absolutely on iView, and uh, no doubt there'll be a repeat on ABC Two. But I could not tell you what night that's on yet. Uh, neither could they. <laughs> They'll just wing and it. Also, and listen, our, our um, we've got a YouTube channel, uh, ABC The Checkout, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uploading a lot of the stories there. And and people can also uh, send tip offs to tip off at checkout.com.au. Kirsten Drysdale, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. Thank you, Box Cutters. Hannah, she's in charge. And she's my favourite in a different way. Probably going to marry her. She says no. She, I make her laugh, don't I? You do, Derek, yeah. Oh, <laughs> just cracks me up. <laughs> Derek, the new comedy drama from Ricky Gervais. 12th of April on 4. Derek is a TV series from Channel 4 in the UK. It stars, is written and directed by Ricky Gervais, who you might remember from the UK version of The Office or his hosting job uh, with the Golden Globes. Or extras or Life's Too Short. No, I'm not familiar with those things. Or The Invention of Lying, but you probably don't remember him from that. No, yeah. or... Uh, or the other thing that people didn't like him for right. at all. Was that The Invention of Lying? The no. Invention of Lying was the movie that no one saw. Oh, no, I saw that. I saw that. That wasn't very good. First also, half's really good. He also did one where he was a ghost. Oh, I don't know that one at all. Oh, not Night at the Museum. No. No, no. no he's in the Night at the Museum. He was, he was a ghost or he's... Uh, he, he was in love with a woman who was... The ghost of Mrs. Muir? In love with a ghost. Spirited? Was, uh, that, that, that was it. <laughs> It was, he was in love with Matt King and was, Spirited. Yep, yep. So he's he's done a, a show which is a, again the uh, the mockumentary style of or fake documentary style TV show uh, where he uh, plays a, a a gentleman by the name of Derek who works in an old age home. The controversy around this show came with uh, Gervais playing a. Uh, a slightly there's questioning about if he's autistic or he is uh, or if he's got a quiet brain injury or he is somehow uh, mentally different as as a human uh, it, it is a show about the old age home and the people the people who work there and the uh, and the people who live and die there. There are also sort of three other main characters we should probably mention. There is there is the uh, the uh, the one who runs the home. Yes, Hannah. Uh, there is the uh, the caretaker and bus driver. Dougie. Same guy. And Who's played by Carl Pilkington. And, uh, and their kind of friend slash hanger on slash why is he there, never, Kev? Yeah, never worked out quite what Kev is, but he's there. He's there. So in the, in the, in the first episode, Derek uh, introduces everyone and Derek lives with Dougie and Kev. 
uh, just kind of sleeps on the floor at their house. Mm. And Kev is probably the most disgusting person in the world, but also provides pretty much the only comic relief in uh, in a very, very bleak show about the realities of getting older and pretty much what life is all about. So, so does that mean you did not find it funny or you, you did find it funny? I found bits of it funny, but generally I found it to be a vi- like a punch in the guts every episode. In a good way or a bad in way? In a good way. Okay. I, f- I really loved this show. I loved it to pieces. I thought it was one of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. I've not seen a TV show that deals with aging and death with the same care, attention and matter-of-factness as Derek has. Uh, I... Uh, I thought that the the idea of uh, accepting people for who they are came across so well. This is probably the softest, uh, most heartfelt TV show I've seen in a very long time. And for me, it was like a, a breath of fresh air while also punching me in the guts. At the same time, though, there are bits of it that are very funny. Carl Pil- Pilkington has some very funny lines or mannerisms Kev has some very funny moments. Uh, there are some great bits that play on uh, Derek's inability to uh, understand what has gone on in, in a situation. Uh, but I think throughout it, I fell in love with the characters for who they were, with all of their flaws, with all of their uh, strange little idiosyncrasies, uh, and with all of them seeming very real to me, they didn't seem uh, caricatures like uh, like certain characters in The Office did. See, I went the other way. I, I, I found them to be totally unreal. I I had such a slog. This was such a slog. I only got through two episodes. I must admit, <gasps> episode one I watched in 12 minutes, then the next day in six minutes, and the day after in six minutes. I could not get through 24 minutes of the first episode. I just found it so boring, um, which because I, I was expecting to be offended. As you will yep. know, Mr. Kinnell, I, I had read about it. I thought it would be offensive. And I think if it wasn't quite so dull, it would be very offensive. It's definitely <laughs> dodgy. It's, it's way dodgy. Um, but this is part of my problem. I didn't believe... I saw Ricky Gervais with a bad haircut pulling a funny face. I did not see a character called Derek at any point in this. And I would say that with all four of the leads. To me, there was no character to any of them. The fact that Carl Pilkington is possibly the warmest person in this show, <laughs> that's not good. That's, I don't know. It was just, it was so odd. I found I was getting annoyed by mockumentary because surely we're over that by now. The first episode in particular keeps putting montages with plinky plonkety music it's randomly not a mockumentary. into it. It's, it's a documentary style shot drama. But what's the point of it? I mean, because if it was a real documentary, it would be quite charming. Yeah, but it's not a real documentary. It's a drama and it's not isn't doing it, anything isn't with it? drama. Because but, but, even in the first episode where... The the home is being a guy from the council's come round and who fund the nursing home who fund the nursing home and Hannah's sort of panicking that they're going to be found out and that's a sort of fast setup except that nothing particularly happens like there's no you know, there's no particular thing they need to hide or uncover like Kev is sleeping in someone's bed and Derek has some tadpoles but it's not it's not kind of comedic in itself because it's not big enough the the home isn't run badly in any kind of way. 
and it just takes a very very long time for not much to really happen there and the drama of it seems to have been forgotten by episode two i don't know it just i just found myself yeah just bored (laughs) bored bored very much by this and i've realized that extras for me now is the exception that proves the rule with ricky gervais i love extras i think it's a really good show i love andy millman i think he's an interesting character because he can be redeemed ricky gervais i get the feeling i probably don't like much as a person but yeah i don't know i couldn't i and I, like you're saying with this i couldn't even work out is it meant to be a comedy like it would work better as a drama i don't think it's i don't it's not meant to be a comedy right it's, there's not there there are uh I was almost in tears at the end of the at the end of the season. I was in mm-hmm. tears at the end I of the was. first episode. You, but you, not, completely, yeah. It's it, it's not. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> it's like if somebody made a good touched by an angel. But then the, see, the problem with that is I don't want it to have Ricky Gervais and a stupid haircut girding at the camera. That's and what the weird I, thing for me was that none of that usual Ricky Gervais stuff was in there. It wasn't it wasn't him being awkward and and. I, I basically didn't really see see Derek as Ricky Gervais. He was just Derek. Right. Whereas I just saw him as Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah. that's all I could see him as. Because this, this thing was him, the, the, the documentary style, because he keeps looking at the camera and you're going, is it meant to be funny looking at the camera? Is it meant to be... Like, it's just irritating. It's just, I don't know. I just wanted to, to make up its mind what it was. And I don't think it did. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a documentary style drama about uh, a nursing home and uh, and... Just finding the good in people, and just little little bits from life. So, so basically, what I'm saying is, by you not being able to find the good in this show, no, see, I think it's a very mean spirited show. I think it's a very mean. So, when when you when you have uh, Victoria coming in doing a community service and and her redemption uh, during a over a week there. That's, that's the yes. the young girl that comes in the second. So mm-hmm. the first yeah. half of that just spends the first half they're going young people they're terrible. I mean I suppose yeah I could argue that's interesting that it it sets up every terrible young people and their phones hey joke in the first half of that to then. But once try and do something through to her, then it's she, her humanity comes out. And she's, what, she's I, less front. I'll tell you what I liked in the two episodes I watched. The only thing because I try and find something positive. Kardashian. It was the cat in the first episode. The grey one, not the other one. The grey one <laughs> I liked. <laughs> wow, you have no soul, Josh. I, are... I, I think you've watched the Emperor's new television show, and you've you been have... fooled, Josh Canal. Fooled. You have. You have, uh, so I, I I knew nothing about Derek mm-hmm. when uh, when it, it came on uh, when it came on the list of things on my TV for for me to watch. Knew nothing about it. Uh, switched on, expecting uh, actually expecting a remake of the German. T- uh, the, the German cops show. I, that's because who else would name a show called Derek? I had no idea what what it was going to be. And then when I saw it was Ricky Gervais, I groaned a little bit because I had no idea that he had done a new. Uh, somehow this had just passed me by completely. And uh, I, I think probably largely because I was in China for for a, a lot of it, didn't know what was uh, what, what was happening in, in the rest of the world. It's very hard to get information. When you're inside China, that was happening outside of China. <laughs> Though I, I was actually aware of it uh, when the pilot was released, which was back in April last year. Yeah, so so they did this this one pilot, and then it was picked up by by Channel Four to uh, to do do a full season. You get to the end of the first season, you just kind of feel, well, that's. I, I'd be surprised if they did a second season. There is a second series. It's already there, been there is. Yeah. 
See, I don't, I don't know where, where you'd go from that. Like, it's, it's, it has kind of said everything that it needs to say. Uh, but I thought it was a really... For me, this was Ricky Gervais' redemption for, for me. So I was pleased I wasn't offended, which is what I was expecting. <laughs> so that was, that was a step up. I wasn't, it wasn't as offensive as I was expecting it to be. So either way you look at it, it's a plus. Yeah. Hey! I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Craig McLaughlin. You're listening to Box Cutters. Hey, John. <laughs> so there's this guy who used to listen to Box Cutters a fair bit. Mm. And then he started his own podcast. This is like a parable. And then that got really popular. And then he was on like TV and stuff. Mm. And then he came back to our podcast to plug a show that he's doing for the comedy festival. And then lots of people went to see his show during the comedy festival. And everybody was rewarded for their generosity. That's, I'm not very good with parables. No. That's, that's why I will never be a messiah. There should be a moral of yeah. some sort. Yeah, what's oh, your moral? Anyway, so uh, the, the, the moral is uh, be good to people and everyone will share in rewards. Okay. Which I, is kind of the moral behind the I Love Green Guide Letters podcast. This is, it's about, it, it, it is about being nice to people and really understanding and no. listening to people's concerns. See, I, I've listened to that podcast. I thought it was just a guy reading out some letters in a funny voice. Well, you know what? I've, I've got an expert. I've got an expert okay. in, the, in the studio. Yeah. Steel Saunders, you've, uh, you've had some experience with the I Love Green Guide Letters podcast. Hey, you guys. I have, yes. Um, I like the way that parable ends with lots of people buying tickets to the comedy festival. That's, <laughs> that's great. Are you in that comedy festival panic at the moment where it's that whole, will anyone come? Oh, just asking me that. I just want to attack you. Right. Like, I'm just <laughs> permanent near, like, I've got, yeah, I'm just one t- horn toot off a heart attack. Uh, it, it's like you have to put up, like, the self-promotion, you know, going on podcasts to promote, you know, putting up your own posters. Like, really, if you have to put up your own posters, should you have posters? I'm sorry, I... D- I didn't realise this, this was such a burden for you. Still, well, John started stressing me out with uh, post or, or pre. Uh, I just asked if you were doing a show. That was- just tell us about your show. It's, it's been going a couple of years. Yeah, it's in the second year. It's called Isle of Green Guide Letters. And for listeners out of Victoria that don't know, the Green Guide is the television lift out every Thursday in the Age. On page four is the letters page where people make petty complaints and then we record a podcast where we make petty complaints about their petty complaints. It is kind of a genius idea. How did it start? Well, I've always enjoyed other people's annoyance. Like, if, if I'm in a long line at the airport, which sucks, but if someone else ahead of me is enjoying it less, I'll just entertain myself by watching them. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so I was in this uh, food court one day reading the Green Guide letters and they were just so, just so bizarre. Like, they're just written by people that don't, haven't worked out how to use their remote. Like, like the answer to pretty much all of them is like, yeah, just don't watch that show anymore. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, you, there's no commitment. And I was in this food court and I, it was so bizarre. And I was looking around, to see if anyone else was reading them so I could discuss them and no one was. And then I was like, hey, maybe I could uh, invite some friends over to talk about them every week. And it's kind of who's who of Melbourne comedy, Australian comedy. You or have had John Richards. You know. I know, that guy. Oh, so, so John Richards has, uh, has, has been on Brett. Oh, Brett, really? have, you, have you been on... Uh, no, no, on I, I, I haven't had the honour. 
as as yet. No, yeah, neither. Well, once you guys have your own underperforming ABC comedy series, <laughs> yeah, get with it. Get with the program. You can come in and defend yourself against the letters, and that that's the funnest thing of the show is when we get people on to talk about letters that are about them. Like we had, um, we had Josh Thomas on last week, and he was. You know, he read out a lot of classic Josh Thomas letters, and it, it's funny to hear people's uh, replies. Uh, often quite uh, angry. Have you ever had Peter Phelps on, uh, on on the show? I have not, but if you did, I'd refer to him as Phelpsy. So, you, you, do you remember the Phelpsy Green Guide letter controversy? Mm-hmm. No, Stingers. <sighs> He was, he was all, oh, the actors should get a writing credit as well because we, we, we come up with a lot of the stuff. <laughs> I as, remember that as quite. We're shooting. Yeah. And, uh, we, and should, we should be writers. Uh, but in a letter to the Green Guide. <laughs> <laughs> also the idea that someone like Phelpsy, that his dream is to be a writer. It's like, really? Really? Yeah, you, yeah. Think, you think that's where the glamour is, Phelpsy? Is he just, what you he just can't quell the genius, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I occasionally am, am concerned in the podcast that people have what, you know, it's, they've written for a reason. They've written because they have a passion for the show or maybe they do have a valid point. And then you read it in a silly voice and it kind of mocks them. And then every time I say that, you then read two more letters out, which are clearly just mental people who shouldn't be writing. <laughs> but do you, do you think, is there a line? Do you, do you designate between this is a genuine letter to the Green Guide or are all letters to the Green Guide equally tainted? Well, you are writing a letter about like television to a paper. Like it, it, they're tainted before before I get my hands on them. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I don't think there's a, there's a line at all. Once once you once you send that off, it's so there are no letters in the Green Guy that you go. Oh, that's a fair point. Oh, very rarely, very rarely. When sometimes people write in about. Um, how much they enjoy my podcast. That's a great letter. Now, like I got to say, last time I actually bothered reading letters, and the green guy, half of them were about you or, or, <laughs> were, or were connected because I think Staplegate was still going at that point. Yeah, Staplegate. We talked about that for 11 weeks where the three staples went missing in the side of the green guide and uh, that became way more important than any television <laughs> issue. And it, was, it was so interesting to hear what, what that means budgetarily uh, when you had the editor in. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Like we yeah. had $170,000 a year. No, it wasn't like it was like three quarters of a million or something. It just, was just to have the three staples in the yep. in the gringo. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so yeah, Gina's got a, a little bit more money to uh, keep from the rest of her family. Good stuff. Sweet <laughs> staple cash. But it this- probably would have been cheaper for the age to give every green guide purchaser a free stapler. With one issue. That sounds more of a Herald Sun type <laughs> offer. A free AFL stapler. Apple, yeah. Well and then and then a new staple every week. <laughs> like that. But collect them all. This is the thing I'm saying you've it's only two years that, that, that you've bring out because it just feels like you've it been around feels, for longer. It feels yeah. like ages still. I it know. just feels it's so what what John is saying is that the idea is really old now. No no no. What I was gonna say was it feels like there has been this massive change within the age and newspaper printing in the time you've been doing it, even to the point where it's gone from you reading out these insane letters from from people often in strange rural places Mm -hmm. about strange ABC shows to there being so many letters about I Love Green Guide letters and and Staplegate and and yeah, and and just also the paper itself is changing shape and possibly disappearing. Yeah, it's a real worry that the Green Guide since... I've started has gotten like it's half the size. It's mm. it's not it's not all green anymore. hasn't got staples, and it was. I, I think I almost cried live on stage with these live shows. And Darren Hinch it told me I 
I hope this works out for you really soon because there's going to be no newspapers in about a year. And uh, yeah, shame, shame. I teared up on stage and that was it. <laughs> I'm going to have to, you know, I love letters to the hit, lift out or something. <laughs> Review Nui Dekoa's The Matrix. <laughs> The the, the Greenyard letters used to be, uh, no, no pun intended, a, a staple of, of my Thursday morning reading. And then at, at some point, I personally got just fed up with humans from reading the Greenyard letters. And just, and because I, I love television. I love television, but I also understand that it's television. And so if somebody... In a in in a, a show that is set in 1850, says a word that wasn't invented until 1870. I will just go. They should have done a bit more research than that. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to write a letter. Did the letters um, get crazier though in the Green Guide? Because like you're saying, in my head, I remember them being slightly more normal when I bothered reading them. I think Andrew Murphett, who was the editor of it for two years and, and did it for the most of the time we're doing the podcast, he got really into like lighting a few fires and he, he liked having the ongoing like battles. Of, and this is the funnest thing. Someone will write a letter and then next week someone will argue with that person and then the third week someone will come in to defend the first person. And it's that ongoing chain of like this... like. Seven days apart text messages. Or something. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what the internet's for? You would think now you'd go on a forum and just have that fight. But these are these are possibly a self-selecting audience who are going to do it in print. Yeah, there's something grand about having it in print, though. Like it's, and I know a lot of people that you know that listen to the podcast that never knew about the Green Go letters now like read it every week and 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 they know like the people that write in because there's some people that get letters published like every two weeks mm-hmm. like there's this guy eddie wilgar um of yarraville that's just killing the game he's he's in like at least two out of three weeks and we get to find out more about these people like uh recently eddie complained about closed captioning so we know he's he's, he's got some hearing issues so we're really you know getting to know these letter writers through their complaints through their needs didn't you go on a road trip recently and meet one of them? we went to ballarat to do a podcast with arthur comer who's like an 80 year old retiree a devout christian and a, and a great man who he started a debate in the green guide letters and he's actually one of australia's great letter writers he had 106 i think letters published in 93 that was his top year and he's got them all binded in this book the letters of arthur coma so there is uh he's a pleasant nutbag he's, if ever he's there was aver- one. he averaged more than two a week yeah he's got a lot of um he's got a lot of issues he, clearly and he wrote in that the cricket uh, umpire or the cricket commentators didn't know how to say uh, kilometer correctly. Mm-hmm. They were saying kilometer, and this sparked a furor where he actually came back to defend himself in letter form two weeks later. And 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 it's the bizarre thing about it is trying to like phonetically like to get people how to pronounce something like phonetically in text in, in text, text yeah. like it's not it's. Kalamata, not kilometer. Kalamata, like it's just, it doesn't make it's not a good avenue to do this. <laughs> but that's what makes it so enjoyable. Like we've got one on, on on the little flyer where someone wrote in about um, 
there was a, a show about mining and that the miners didn't have the right safety equipment in the photo on the cover of the Green Guide and they would not be allowed in any Australian mine. It's just like, it's television. Like, hey, safety's serious. <laughs> but what, what I don't understand is, is why don't these people who are so angry about this particular thing, why don't they just start a podcast at where, where they can complain every week? Listen, Josh, if, if you could, like, write down all your past podcasts and you could be... They, they, they could be letters to the green guy condensed into 75 words or less. It'd take... You know, you could write about your fast-tracking, your problem with advertising, like, all that sort of stuff. You, you are a perfect contender to write a green guide letter. So, I've written one green guide letter in my life. Oh, what was it, it about? Did, it didn't get, it didn't get uh, published, but it was... Oh, no was, wonder you're so bitter about that. <laughs> It all comes out now. <laughs> Jealous of Eddie Wilgar and his poison pen. I wanted Channel 10 to re-show the episodes of uh, Cop Rock that they had uh, in their vault. This is long before box cutters. This was uh, back in the uh, mid to late 90s. I thought... Oh, what was Cop I Rock, could, Josh? Co- Cop Rock was this excellent, excellent Stephen Bochco show. About History police. Blues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the singing Hell Street videos. I don't know why you use the word excellent there, but go on. As, uh, uh, which, uh, which had, uh, but it was a musical. Yeah. It was, it was a, a police drama musical. Yep. Uh, lighthearted police drama musical. So, uh, ahead, mm-hmm. of, ahead of its time. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, look at, uh, you look at the stuff that... Uh, like an Dave, episodic Les Mis. Still yeah. has this look on his face like he thinks it sounds like a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> it really was. It so was it's, it's called Cop Rock. Cop Rock. Cop Rock. Yeah. It sounds like, like a bumper sticker you get when the police visit your primary school. Like, Cops Rock. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was appalling. I've had three letters in the Green Guide. All the same week. It was... You've, um, you've, written, you've written letters to the Green Guard. I did but, not know. No, it was years ago when... Uh, it was a triple R. It was with a comedy team called The Third Year. And we mm. went up to Sydney to do this Radio National one-off kind of special thing. And uh, because, the, you know, ABC Radio, not really big on promotion, we thought we'd have a go at just trying to create our, our own promotion. So we wrote uh, all these letters into various media publications... And to make it convincing, we wrote three to the Green Guide. One said our show was terrible. One show said it was brilliant. <laughs> and one mentioned it in passing while talking about something else. All three got printed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're, you've broken the Green Guide letter prime directive, which much like the Star Trek prime directive is you're not to interfere with the letters. <laughs> you're just to observe them. You, right. you can't interact with them. But um, it, it's weird the letters, they do have a real following with some Melbourneites. Like, some guests that have come on have just been, like, so amped. So, like, this is, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but we've got a, like we've got Santo Chilaro on from um, Working Dog and The Late Show on this week, and he sent me scans of, like, 90s Green Guide letters in these just, like, amazing advertisements next you to You could them. do period specials. <laughs> no, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> No, you really should. I love Green Guide. That is the 90s. You know, you can choose like various. <laughs> what about years. the week that Molly died? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> From Andrew Craig. No, no, no. He just, not, he just, not, not Molly Meldrum. He just fell off a ladder. <laughs> yeah, no, not Molly Meldrum. <laughs> See, there's a whole. Because I've been worried about you for, you know, when print dies and if there's no letters page left. But you can, you can, you've got a whole other spin off series. You can we do, do have the this. archives. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is great. And we like to bust them out with. You could wear a monocle for that. Ye oldie days, Green Guide letters. Yeah. You'd have to, you have to flip the tape halfway through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Steel Saunders, you're, you're doing four live I Love Green Guide letters shows during the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Certainly are. Um, 
That is uh, every Saturday afternoon during the Comedy Festival, 4.15, in the Melbourne Town Hall. So it's yeah, March move. 30th, April 6th, 13th, and 20th. You're moving up uh, in the world. Was it last year at, year at Spleen? Yeah, we were upstairs uh, in a in a cockroach-ridden pub, and now we're upstairs in the Town Hall. And can you tell us who the guests are, or is it top secret? No, top secret. Um, I... I got some confirmation today from a certain television network that we're going to have a fantastic guest on the first episode. There will be a big payoff for long-time listeners that have been dying to uh, have this person on. So that's pretty cool. It's not Phelpsy. But um, and, and for people that are not in Melbourne, you can also listen to it through the wonders of podcasting uh, on ilovegreengardletters.com and on iTunes. Uh, people can buy tickets for I Love Green Guard Letters live uh, at uh, ticketmaster.com.au or at the Melbourne Town Hall, which is always going to be a lot easier. Yeah, get in early. Remember that parable that we said at the start of the uh, <laughs> yeah. segment? They're, they're going to sell out apparently. Yeah. So thank you, baby Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Steel Saunders. Thanks, guys. Senator Postman, I have a letter for you. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Blake Boxcutter wrote in. Just a brief note about your end of ep discussion on gender hiring bias in TV writing. I'm wondering if Courtney's experience of We Had a Woman Once was in the world of Australian comedy writing. Because in drama TV writing where I work, there is no discernible gender bias. I have worked on many shows, and in only the rarest cases has there been more male than female writers on staff. Shitful comment given to Courtney, but it is not something I've ever heard in drama TV writing. Well, that list that was read out in that episode was all comedy. It was, it was, it was all comedy. late night. Yeah, late night US comedy. Yeah. So I think that is probably true here for, for comedy. But it does seem that... Um, uh, was it Mad Men that apparently has seven out of nine writers are female, if not all of them for one season? So the, uh, And it is, it is true of comedy here. Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's true yeah. of comedy. Yes, is is more point drama, not so much. Uh, which which is said, is Brett also the voice of comments from the blog? Yeah, John? I think Brett's the voice of everything. Yeah. Fred says, Ah, advertising, my nemesis, back again. The problem is discussing TV entirely in terms of advertising means that other models of TV content delivery, either consumer pays all of it, as with Netflix or premium cable channels or government broadcasting like the ABC, BBC and SBS when it was good, don't get discussed properly. And by concentrating on the broadcast rather than the narrow cast, as Channel 10 was, again when it was good, is that you get stuff which is mediocre rather than excellent appeals to the general rather than reaching for the brass ring of excellence. And you've just described network commercial television. I, I think Fred's got a point though there because I, I did think during that that interview with Con there was an element like what point he said uh, they want to put Coles wants to put its ads on commercial television because they get 2 million viewers except that there's very few shows left now that do get 2 million viewers. That's more the exception than the rule now on commercial television. It depends on how you count the viewers. Because clearly Oztam have, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oztam have their own special ways. They got that uh, chicken with the double yeah. vision. Double but, vision chicken, they but, but, I, but I think it was an interesting point hearing Con talk about it. And I was thinking, yeah, because it, it does still feel like that is, that is not the way of the future, that particular model. It is, it is still throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. 
Hey, we got one more. David Boxcutter says... Oh, a little bit of redux for last week's episode. I was very surprised by the meh reaction to Enlightened. When I discovered Enlightened, I wondered why haven't I heard about this on Box Cutters? I even googled the shit out of it to see if I missed an episode where you mentioned it. But nothing! The second season of Enlightened is one of the greatest seasons of TV ever. I'm really surprised about the nonplussed reaction from the box cutters crew. I thought this is exactly the kind of golden age of television stuff you would be talking up. It's way better than Community, which Josh basically has an orgasm over. That is true. And infinitely better than Mike and Molly, which for some reason also got a lot of praise. I've never actually seen Enlightened. It's one of these things I think the AV oh, so, Club's so really pushing it now. You're, you're saying it's, it's true that I have an orgasm over community. Yeah. You're not saying it's true that the second season of Enlightened is better than community. No, no, no. I'm saying it's true that you have an orgasm over community. Right, because um, I've been watching the second season of Enlightened, and you know what I think? What? Meh. <laughs> oh, really? Mm. AV Club's very big on it, too. Maybe, maybe I should yeah, give it lots, a go. Lots of people whose opinions I really like, really like the second season of Enlightened. And I keep watching it. Uh, and I'm maybe seven episodes through the the second season now. Still nothing. And still, I just keep going. <sighs> While we're on Community, are you keeping up with that as well? Yes. And what what's your thought? I gave up after episode two, but I'm thinking I'll I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, you keep thinking that. Really? Oh, that's there was there was you, you know those great three seasons of Community. Can I mention too because we've we had a lot of the girls discussion and the comments came in. Um, I've now had two people tell me that listening to the second episode in where we talked about girls, they still thought we were talking about two broke girls, and and I'm <laughs> wondering exactly why we thought this show was so in need of such discussion. So no, no, it's it's the HBO series girls, not the sitcom two broke girls. If you want to send an email to Boxcutters, you can hooray at boxcutters.net or the contact us link on the blog is also easy or you can just comment on the blog like those people did if you watch one I had a one thing. I wrote a one thing down on the show notes, mm-hmm. and, and you then, dog ate it. Is that what it is? Can't you remember? It's it hasn't. It's not appearing now on my notes. Oh, I, I, I have his homework and lies. What's, what's my one thing? Josh writes. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few more eps of US The Office left. I'm seeing this puppy out to its end. Thanks for that, Josh. If you're going to watch one thing, John, what would it be? Uh, I'm flying to Germany this week for my one thing. For Derek? You're going to watch Derek? I'm going to watch Derek. Then after Derek's finished, I'll be tuning in on Thursday, Thursday nights at 9.30pm on the ARD channel Eins Festival. I'll be watching Outland, the best gay lesbian science fiction comedy, yada, yada, yada. Or, as they say in German... Ausland. Ausland. Uh, and we got, I got a little comment that apparently in some of the subtitles, because it's subtitled sadly, not dubbed. Why will no one dub my show? It would be hilarious. Ah, uh, I'll dub your show. It'd be funny. Anyway, but um, apparently sometimes in the subtitling, they, they don't realize the characters are referring to TV show or film titles and they translate them. So Firefly, they keep translating into the actual German word for Firefly, which is not what Firefly was called in Germany. I'll oh. be so confused. It's apparently, yeah, bewilderment. There's uh, lots of comedy going on in this Melbourne town and the 2013 Melbourne Comedy Festival. Gala <laughs> is on Channel 10, 8.30 this Saturday. Channel 10? I thought channel it was moving, moving to ABC. It says Channel 10. Oh. It says Channel 10 in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, also he said... he's says talk- Channel 10 on your fix. The way he's talking sounds like Black Thunders are coming. But- <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I had heard that the ABC was picking all that up, which is a, a shame. But that's not true. If that's not true, why? Why commercial networks need content too? I know the I, ABC can't just hog it all. I mean, unless this is last year's, because you know, it's take them a very long time to. It could be yeah. last year's. Yeah, it, it could could be. My my special fancy is has been updated uh, thanks to box cutter uh, Lindel Lind- box cutter Lindel box cutter um, uh, loyal listener Lindel loyal listener Lindel uh, and uh, this was through a comment on the blog um, I got into it on the weekend and w- checked out the iPlayer content it's, and it's a Chrome you know plugin is that right it's for Chrome only Chrome Firefox also has a plugin it's uh, Hola 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 and it's a plug-in which will make Hulu appear as if by magic. Uh, Hulu, iPlayer, um, and I am once again in love with Top Gear, watching it without ads. And this was uh, the second part of the How African adventure, going to the, the actual origin of the Nile. John, we've, we've, had, uh, we've had Kirsten Drysdale uh, plugging her new show, The Checkout. Yeah. We've had Steel mm-hmm. Saunders in here plugging uh, his I Love Green Garden. Yeah, yeah, Should uh, I go crazy, plug crazy? Yeah, go plug it! Crazy, plug crazy. Um, I'm also doing two shows at the Comedy Festival. Splendid Chaps, A Year of Doctor Who, which is a celebration for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. We will be doing two shows at uh, Trades Hall on the, I want to say 6th and 13th. Uh, I should have checked the dates. Yes, 6th and 13th, Saturday. Uh, we've got... At, at what, t- what time? Uh, 5.45 on the 6th. That's the afternoon. All ages one. Uh, and that will be with Dave Callan and Steampunk's Paul Verhoeven. And then the next week we're doing a, a late night. Yeah, Splendid Chaps Nights with Adam Richard and a fabulous English comedian. We're not allowed to tell you who she is. That's that's the rule with the comedy festival. When, right. they, when they let you have one of their acts, you're not supposed to tell anyone, apparently. So we can't tell you who she is, but she's fabulous. So those will be really, really good. And you can book those at Ticketmaster and find details at SplendidChaps.com. And wh- wh- why, why, are you, why are you hitting my feet? What are you I'm not, doing? I'm not, you I'm not are hitting, hitting I'm, my feet. I'm sitting, look how far away I'm I am. I'm trying to plug. I've got my, tiny legs. Oh, it's bloody I, steel saunders oh. under the desk. <laughs> what, what are you doing under the why desk, are you hiding steel saunders? That's crazy. I'm looking, I'm looking for Brenna. <laughs> she's not. We said, said she's before. not here. She's not here this Where is week. she? She's she's not. She's not here. What is it going to take to get you out of the studio? Maybe one more plug. Is that uh, for, for what? Go on. You're doing another show. You're doing another show. You're doing two shows. Who are you, Ben McKenzie? He's a Melbourne comedian, so it's important he's doing at least two shows. Oh, God. <laughs> I am also doing on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights at ten forty-five. The Steel Saunders' venue got demolished. Late show. So work out how that title came across. <laughs> did your uh, did your did you plan to do this at the old uh, palace in St Kilda? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, no, I was at uh, Rue Babylon's. Oh, right? yeah, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. A couple, about a month and a half ago, they announced they were getting bulldozed down. Oh, I d- right. I don't think you should take that personally, though. <laughs> I don't that's, think it's, I don't think it was your fault. That's at um, the Portland Hotel, um, ten forty-five on weekends, and it's just going to be an hour of. Just ripping jokes to end the night off. So you could go, you could go. I love Green Guide Letters. Saturday, four fifteen. Splendid Chaps, five forty-five. Back to the board. Dinner, dinner. Yeah, stop for dinner. Stop, yeah. stop for a dinner. Maybe uh, then have some supper. Yeah, and then then, uh, then ten ten forty-five. Ten forty-five. The uh, venue got demolished. Late show. Nice. At uh, at the, the Portland Hotel. Mm. That's that sounds great. 
I'm just going to get back under the desk now and keep looking for Brenner. All right, we'll do do the sign-off. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 333. I want to thank our guests, Kirsten Drysdale and Steel Saunders. Uh, They got plugged enough during the show. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Oh, uh, hang on. I'll have a look. Oh, what are you doing here? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.